three decades ago, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers captured my imagination. Like many of my fellow 90s kids, I watched after school, joined the official fan club, and of course, collected the toys. Eventually, I put those toys away, but the flame of my Power Rangers fandom never died. Now, in this milestone 30th anniversary year, I am re-examining the show, its legacy, and the tale of its most legendary ranger across media. It's time to get back to action. Welcome to a special bonus episode of Summoning the Zords, a Power Rangers fan journey. I'm your host, Anthony Desiato. Joining me to make a special announcement and also to discuss Power Rangers Live, a.k.a. the World Tour Live on Stage, is my buddy, first-time guest, Ralph Puma. Welcome. Hey, thanks for having me. Very excited to tear into some Power Rangers. Yes, I'm glad that we could get you on the show. I definitely want to ask you about your Power Rangers fan journey. We'll talk about this live stage show, which I attended as a child, as an eight-year-old at Radio City Music Hall. So I have a a very special attachment to it. Interesting to revisit it with adult eyes in 2023, but we'll talk about all of that. But first, I did want to announce that we are going to be powering down. Summoning the Zords will be concluding in September with episode 20. Now, for those of you who have been enjoying the show, first, thank you. And second, this might seem like disappointing news, but it was always my intention for this podcast to be a limited run. I just didn't know how many episodes it would end up being. And as I was mapping out what will now be the final episodes, I realized that I, by the end of episode 20, will have covered everything that I wanted to in terms of charting my Power Rangers fan journey. So the intention was never to cover the entirety of the Power Rangers franchise. Obviously, there are so many more seasons beyond what we've talked about. But my intention was always to, again, chart my fan journey and to kind of look at everything through the lens of Tommy Oliver and his path across the franchise. And by the time we finish episode 20, we'll have done all of that. So I just wanted to give everyone a heads up in this special bonus episode that we are winding down. After this episode, we have three episodes left. We have a really fun one on Super Sentai, the Japanese series that was the basis for the Power Rangers franchise, which was eye-opening to finally look at. I watched multiple episodes for the first time after all these decades. And we will also do an episode on Power Rangers Turbo, both the movie as well as selections from the Turbo season, which will also be new for me. And then we'll wrap things up with a special episode looking at the legacy of Tommy Oliver across Dino Thunder, some of the reunion episodes, and the Soul of the Dragon original graphic novel. And that will kind of bring us home uh, by the time we get to episode 20. So three episodes to go. I hope everybody keeps tuning in. And again, Ralph, I'm glad that we could get you on here before we before we power down and sign off. I know. I was such a big Power Rangers fan, but already, you're already past where I had stopped watching. So <clears throat> I was like, listening and i and i thought i had made it to turbo and and thought i had gotten that far along but i didn't even make it to the second pink ranger oh wow yeah <laughs> oh, okay so you didn't even make it out of mighty morphin no okay interesting all right i want to get into that the last thing i'll say for our audience here is just like i say well just like the franchise says once a ranger always a ranger Just like I say at the end of all of these episodes, once a Ranger fan, always a Ranger fan. I will take it one step further. Once a Ranger podcaster, always a Ranger podcaster. So (laughs) while we are going to be powering this podcast down shortly, never say never. And although I don't have any specific plans for a return engagement on this podcast and anytime soon... We'll see what happens uh, in terms of the franchise, and there may be opportunities to do specials or to do a little limited run or something like that. So the point is, if you've been enjoying the show, however you're subscribed, wherever you're subscribed, whichever audio platform, or if you're subscribed on YouTube, wherever, keep that subscription because you never know when there might be another edition of Summoning the Zords, especially since we have Amy Jo Johnson coming out with her comic book story next year. I know David Yost has been trying to get this Quantumania project off the ground for a long time. Perhaps most notably, we have this long-promised Netflix reboot where the franchise would be completely re-envisioned from the ground up, apparently. Of course, we had the Once and Always special, which we talked about on the show, and 
still kind of an open question. Will there be more specials, more Mighty Morphin specials? Will other seasons get anniversary specials and things like that? So there are any of number of things that could come up over the next year plus that would warrant a return. So again, we may end up coming back to action at some point, but for now, for the time being, episode 20 is going to do it for us. So uh, thank you, Ralph, for helping me make that announcement. 20 is impressive. I think it's a solid run. I'm very pleased. I think that's great. I'll save more of this for when we get to the actual series finale, but honestly, and, and that's why, again, I, this is in no way, like we've, We've been doing well. People have been listening, making great feedback. It has, it's not, it's nothing like, oh, it's not going well. And that's why I'm stopping. It's been going really well. Like I've gotten so much more out of this than I really ever thought that I would in terms of looking back at this thing that I loved so much as a kid, but then really just didn't have much experience with in, in the decade since. And so going back now and rewatching and reading the new comics and playing the video games and re- and watching this stage show and all this stuff and talking to so many people having these extended in-depth conversations at this level that I never thought I would have in my life. It has been immensely fulfilling so much so that I'm just, I'm fulfilled. I'm satisfied. I've done, I've done what I set out to do with this is sort of uh, where, where we are at the moment. But as all good works should be, they should come to an end. Like i I was listening to your other podcast recently talking to Rich Roney about how comic books are kind of moving towards limited series and all of that. And, I think it makes sense for things to have a clear, you know, finish instead of pushing thing on, pushing things on past where you are satisfied. That's the thing. And with Power Rangers in particular, because I have had people ask, I've had actually people volunteer to be guests for episodes on things like Power Rangers in space and, and other seasons. And look, I say this now, who knows, a year from now, I might be like, guys, we're doing Power Rangers in space and we're doing all the other seasons. I don't know. But my feeling right now is... I think to whatever extent the show has worked, I think it's because I, it's that combination of the memories of watching it as a kid with the fresh perspective of looking at it now. And so to kind of venture beyond where I got as a kid and get into space and SPD and Lightspeed Rescue and Time Force and all these other seasons that I have no connection to, I don't know that I would be able to bring to those discussions what I've been able to bring to the other ones. And so... I don't know that I even want to attempt that. I, I guess that's sort of where, where I am. And again, if anything ever changes and my interest is so peaked that I'm like, I have to, I have to delve into this. We, we may do that, but for now, this this will will bring us home. All right, enough of that. Your Power Rangers fan journey. So you were you were starting to lay it out a little bit. I mean, I was doing the math because, again, as I've talked about, I started where Power Rangers started when I was in kindergarten. And I've got, yeah. I think, good three years on you. So you were a really little kid when this started. So how, how was, and when did you get into it? So I, it must have been, I remember it had to have been pre-K, right? So for me, it was pretty close to the beginning. So the the mania had gotten to a point where there was like McDonald's toys for it. Because remember, we're dealing with like, kid brain here so like it's all kind of hazy and mixed together and i can't tell you the exact years or time frame but i can kind of tell you the feelings and um you know what i remember and one of like my first like clear memories of loving power rangers was like being in pre-k and everyone like setting up like okay you're gonna be billy you're gonna be tommy you're gonna, like everyone getting ready to like play in the schoolyard and then the next day, there being an announcement, no more Power Rangers are being played because we don't want fighting in the schoolyard. <laughs> so, like, that's one of my very clear, like, first memories of Power Rangers. No, I get it. No, that's the thing. I that I, and I think I've talked about this before. I remember. So I went to one one Catholic elementary school for kindergarten and first grade, and then I switched to another one starting with second grade. And I remember at the first school, they would not let us play or talk or draw Power Rangers for exactly the reason you just described. And then I remember switching schools and there was no such restriction. And I remember, I was like, this is great. And and not that I even have much of a memory of us playing it, but I definitely remember drawing it. And I am not in any way, shape or form that kind of artist. Like I don't, I can't draw, but uh, I still love doing it. And I I remember just drawing Power Rangers all the time. So, but no, I mean, it's, it's a, not, not not refreshing, but it's like to know that someone else had that experience too. Because as I remember, like I remember that, like not being allowed yeah. at that first school. 
like and and my mom was okay with it um and my dad was okay with it they got me out like most of the toys like i remember having like the morphing heads ones um some of the big like it's one of my first like christmas memories was getting the 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 zord (laughs) so like the first megazord and that is an incredible toy for a kid to get it's so cool you have all the moving parts all the little dinosaurs come together i've always thought Power Rangers toys were better than Transformers and they worked better too for the most part. <laughs> so so you got in at some point during Mighty Morphin. I mean, if you're if you guys were already picking Tommy, so you were at you were at least at that point in the series. Do you remember Tommy being the Green Ranger or the White Ranger, just in terms of placing where you got in? So I genuinely think my first episode was the I remember Tommy being a good guy. And to me, it was like, wait, Tommy was bad? And like I you had to like wait for that episode to ever come back on again if it ever repeated. So I never got to see those episodes until much later on. Um, but when t- it started, Tommy was like the coolest like of the like Power Rangers and he was like the the best of them, you know? So that's kind of how I remember Tommy. So it was like such a shock and a surprise. Wait, he worked for Rita? He was a bad guy? Like that was a huge shock to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I I can imagine. And then you said you tapped out before Cat, who took over for Kimberly. So that was uh, midway through or so season three of Mighty Morphin. So, so yeah, I if, don't yeah. remember the ninjas okay. in the show. Like, I don't remember seeing that in the show. I think I had already like transitioned over to like Goosebumps and maybe something. I like. I liked VR Troopers a lot. I like jumped onto that and latched onto that one. So. I kind of fell out around there, but when it comes back to the, going back to like the schoolyard stuff, this kid had this McDonald's watch and it was this watch that told you where the putties were around you. And I remember like being a kid looking at this other kid and like, oh man, that something's up with that kid. Cause he's like getting paranoid and like, he's looking at the watch. <laughs> oh, that's so cool. All right. Well, if you didn't remember the the ninja stuff in the show, that was at the very beginning of season three. So maybe somewhere around too. But in any event, clearly, you know, part of your childhood as it was for me and for so many. And then in all these years since, have you have you ever revisited it in any in any form? When it first came back to Netflix, I would put it on like late nights, just have it on in the backgrounds. And I had always wanted to make a more serious version that would be a comic book. And then I found out, you know, via you and this podcast that they did that. And I was like, oh, that's awesome. Because it it definitely has the story potential there. And it sounds like, from what I'm hearing, everything that you're talking about with the comics, that they tap into that. They tap into, like, you know, the cool stuff with Finster that could have been evolved on and, you know. Oh, absolutely. That's the thing. I know I'm a broken record at this point with the comics. And actually, by the time people hear this, they will have already heard my discussion with our mutual friend, Chris Delando, on Shattered Grid the big crossover event and kind of like the tentpole story of the boom era. And yeah, what I've been saying anytime we've talked about the comics is just it, it asks and answers all of the questions that I think we all had or maybe didn't even think to have sometimes as we were watching it as a kid. And it just feels so intuitive. It's like, Oh yeah. I mean, like you, you wonder about this or that and you get to see these things explored in, in a cool way. So it, in a weird way, it sort of fills in certain gaps with the show that again, maybe you never even knew you had, but then you read this and it's like, oh yeah, that, I always wondered about that or yeah, why didn't I ever think about that? So uh, the comics have been a, a real delight. All right. This world tour live on stage, AKA Power Rangers Live. So there was a stage show sponsored by 7up in 94, 95, toured all over. I saw it. I was looking on Wikipedia. They had some dates. So according to that, I saw it. I know I saw it at Radio City Music Hall. It would have been then January of 95. So uh, just to kind of put it put it in context. And this is available. They put it out on a VHS tape first, you know, a while back. And then thankfully, they've also now put it out on the DVD sets as a bonus feature. And that's how I watched it. It is also floating around on YouTube, which is where I directed you. So this thing is available to watch if anyone hasn't seen it. Did you, before I asked you about this, did you even know this existed? I think I did. I don't recall if 
I I don't th- I, I feel like I would recall if I went to it. I definitely went to like all those stage shows that they used to have. Like I remember going to like Sesame Street Live, and I remember going to what was this, that uh, Wienerville. Do you remember Wienerville on Nickelodeon? It was like this weird like comedy show. It was like on like after Double Dare and whatnot. Anyway, it was just there were all of those stage shows that would where they were popping up in the early '90s, uh, the TMNT ones and things like that. But I I was aware of it, but I didn't know it was as big as this as when I saw <laughs> this VHS of it. It's crazy. It was huge. The production was massive. Yeah, I so you know. I guess the, the the main reasons I wanted to have you for this one, one, I wanted to have the opportunity to talk to you about your Power Rangers experience. And you have been in, you and your family have been involved in various stage productions at, at various levels over the years. So I thought it would be cool to get your perspective in particular, just based on whatever you're able to glean watching this uh, with respect to what, yeah. how they were able to put this together. Uh, in terms of just sort of the personal component, again, I went to this, I, I do remember going, I'd be lying if I said I had the most vivid, specific memories, but I, I definitely remember being there. I remember seeing the, we'll talk about this, but obviously the, the actors who play the characters on the television show, were not there on stage, but we do see them briefly uh, via a video appearance on the screen on the stage. Mm-hmm. And I remember that, and I feel like I was maybe it was kind of the sweet spot. Like I was still young enough that I was buying into what they were selling us here, this illusion about the Power Rangers being there. But I was old enough that I was making the connection of like, oh, wait, they're on the screen. So it's like they're not actually here. Like I I was piecing that together. I do kind of remember that. I was asking my mom because she was the one who took me. And she was, we were talking recently and I was like, I'm doing an episode on this. I'm like, she remembers us going Really didn't remember much else beyond that other than the main thing she kept saying was that she was mostly watching me during the thing and seeing how much I was enjoying it. And now as a parent myself, as I talk about all the time, like I can definitely identify with that. There are a lot of things we've done with our son. We've gone to Sesame Place a bunch of times. We went uh, when they did a Halloween show and Cookie Monster's doing this whole thing. And it's like, yeah, I'm watching that. But mostly I'm watching my son and seeing him enjoy it. So, yeah. you know, that was kind of her main memory of it. But yeah, I mean, I went, it was it was such a part of just that mania and that moment of being a fan at that time. And it was just, it was like we've talked about the show, obviously the show, but the toys, the movie, the video games, this. It was just another instance of the McDonald's toys, right? It's just kind of being everywhere. And it was so huge. And it was just another way to kind of explore and celebrate it. So I just remember it being a, a very joyful celebratory thing. It was exciting to be able to go and I am grateful that that it is available, right, on the DVD, on YouTube, because not that I thought it didn't actually exist, but it's one of those things, like, you see it as a kid, you have, like, a kind of a hazy memory of it, and it's, it's always like, what the hell was that, actually, that I saw? <laughs> and now to be able to actually watch it, it's like, oh, like, that's what it was, and, you know, things are coming back and stuff, so I, I, am, I am grateful that it's out there, that we can actually look back on it now. Yeah, it was really cool to see, and, like, Right off the bat, it hits me. It hits you with like that VHS music, but then they like slowly slide in the Power Rangers theme. Like it was so of its time, this whole production. Yeah, it was. Plot wise, I don't, there's not really that much to, to kind of break down, but the setup for this is that Lord Zed has set up a base of operations on Earth in whichever city you happen to be seeing the stage show. And that's kind of the gist of it. And so he set up this base of operations, not on the moon, but on earth and creates this fire monster Lumintar. And Zed's whole plan is to cause destruction and chaos in the city and draw out the Rangers and abduct them two at a time. He's very specific two at a time. And that's how he's going to systematically dismantle the power Ranger team. And so we kind of go from there. Yeah. What? Um. So these two aliens arrive right at the beginning. Do do they just disappear after that? Did you that? I, I feel like I didn't see them again. <laughs> that to me was the biggest head scratcher of this because there's this whole business at the beginning about this this energy source that's coming towards Earth, and again, it seems like Zed's already set up there. So it seems like what everyone is kind of looking at is 
is the ship, I suppose, of these two aliens who then go to the gates of Zed's fortress. And After a very long walk. It is yes. quite the the slow walk that they take up to that fortress. <laughs> yeah, and they have these long heads, and they they talk to Zed. They want to learn his evil ways. That's sort of the thing. Like, they worship at the altar of Zed. And they pop up here and there. They are part, I believe, unless I'm imagining this, of one of the battles, maybe the final battle, but they don't have a critical role. And they're original to the show, to the stage show, as far as I know. And as it was starting, I was saying to myself, oh, like, I wonder what the deal was with them. And I'm sure they'll get to it. And then the thing was over. And I was like, wait a minute, (laughs) that never had any kind of payoff. Yeah. Zed goes, you two wait outside. (laughs) That was like the extent of their story. Yeah. So I, I, I don't know. Uh, so for anyone who hasn't seen it or isn't familiar with it, so it's just over an hour, an hour and change. And again, any any of the actors from the show, they don't appear on stage, but the teenage actors in particular are represented again through this video footage. Uh, Zordon and, well, Alpha appears both ways, right? We see Alpha via you know television footage, but then we also see Alpha on stage as well. Uh, the villains get a lot of stage time, I found. Yeah, definitely more than the Rangers. Um, it was really like it was really cool to watch the cameras go to the audience because you would see that these like you could see how like rabid and into it these kids were. Like every like when the putties arrived, there were kids with sheer terror on their faces. And when they're like doing like their silly dance around Alpha, kids are like screaming like You've got to do something. They're there behind you. They like true, genuine fear. <laughs> I'm glad. Yeah, exactly. That's the thing with this. And I'm glad that they shot it in that way where you see the audience. And there are points in the show where Alpha and then and later the Rangers themselves dr- call upon the audience, right? At, towards the end of it, the Rangers fight this hollow monster. And the only thing that can defeat it is loud noise. And so they need the audience to scream and make noise to take out this monster. And there are various instances like that. And we could talk more about breaking the fourth wall and that whole aspect yeah. of it. But um, but I'm glad that they did it in the way they shot it. And you see the kids' reactions. Because as much as you know, we, you know, we can sit here and kind of pick it apart and be like, why do they do this? Why do they do that? But when you look at the reactions, and again, I can go back to my memory of being a kid and I, I can attest to that. It's like the kids who are watching this, the kids who this was made for were all in on this. So yeah, it was. I didn't see any like eye roll. Fa- and, and I mean, it, you get to pick your footage, right? So you pick the best that you have, but every shot of that they showed of a kid, that kid was like, this is real. This is happening. And that was incredible to see. Yeah. Regardless of the content, like that made it so much more enjoyable to watch was like watching it cut back and forth. That's the thing. It's like for what it intended to be for the audience that it was intended for it, it was a success, right? As much as again, we can, we can look at it now and there are things that are a little goofy, but it, it definitely achieved what it set out to. So, uh, you know, gotta, you know, hats off to them. So, uh, as much as again, the, our regular actors are not there. They did record all of the dialogue. So there's a track that's running throughout that our costumed characters on stage are, you know, playing along to a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of physical acting in this, right? Like a lot of arm movements and gestures as even though they're not the people under the helmets aren't actually saying those words at that moment. Like they really are kind of trying to pull you in with their performance. I thought, no, I thought like, you know, a lot of these uh, touring performers are of the younger Ben because tours don't really pay too great. Sometimes it depends on, you know, um, what level of tour. And I would assume a tour like this would probably be like you you make a decent chunk, you get a per diem and that's kind of it. So it's going to be a lot of like working actors that are currently on strike. So <laughs> it's going to be people who are you know dancers and like so they're putting their whole bodies into this because it does matter to them they do care about this this is their job and it was really cool like 
the putty is all like delivered, even though like, you know, I'm sitting there as a Power Rangers fan and I'm like, that putty is so nice to this child. Like (laughs) they should be terrorizing the people, but they're not. They're like being very like sweet to the kids and like making it not scary if they're too scared. And the, the putties were padding for time. Um, you could tell that like when they were doing set changes and stuff on stage, they were like, all right, we got to roll these putties out to do something so that we can like set up the next set piece or whatever. So the putties had all these very like, you know, catering to the parents and the kids. Cause it was almost like, see, nothing's too scary about this show. Nothing's too violent about this show. It was kind of like this pitch to the parents as well. It felt like a big, like we're going to quell the parents. We're going to hook the kids further it was it, it's it's it was really fascinating to watch like those 90s stage shows and this is like one of the peak ones i've ever seen like the 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 the, the, the pyrotechnics even the giant blow up zed which at the very end <laughs> is really cool the only thing that like really i think got to me was like is zordon okay was it a different voice actor <laughs> i couldn't <laughs> No, I think yeah. No, I mean, I'm, I assume it was the same actor who who did it for the show. Why it was just something was a little off in like at least the early half of the sh- like before it got to the stage show part, like when it was doing that little pre video with Alpha, something just seemed off, and he was a little like stuttered and strange. Oh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it is funny because when you watch that the the footage from the television show that that the audience is seeing on the screen of Zordon and Alpha Alpha I mean they cobble that together from all sorts of episodes there's one shot where you clearly see Zack's arm behind Alpha and it's like come on guys like you, there was no other footage you could grab <laughs> where Alpha's by himself but you know again you go along with it and in the moment I'm sure no one no one really noticed but yeah, yeah. The, the putties did get a lot of play I mean they do like an interpretive dance at some point it's oh uh, yeah. <laughs> It's, it's, again, I think definitely, uh, you know, served the, uh, the function that, that you described, and, you know, in terms of the villains. So of course, Zed is our main baddie. He creates this yep. new monster, this fire monster that I believe is original to, to the stage show. Of course, Goldar is there, Squat and Babu, no Finster. And we do have Rita, a, a very different, well, not totally different, but an alter take on Rita. The The look is definitely different than what we're used to from the, the show. The look is really different, but I think the performer was fantastic. Like, I, like if, if I was a kid, like, that would be Rita wearing a different kind of costume. That's, she was, I bought her as Rita, you know? Yeah, I mean, look, when you as long as you have that Barbara Goodson voice, that gets you most of the way there. <laughs> yeah. But the thing that I guess was most... I don't want to say off-putting, but it's like, again, knowing the show, right, as, as, as well as I do, especially at this point, the, the Zed-Rita dynamic, she really was played as more of an underling along the same yeah. lines of like Goldar and Squat and Babu, not what we had come to know from the show where, yes, when Zed initially arrived, he banished her. But then when she returned, she put him under this love spell. They got married and then they were partners. And it was very much this kind of like wacky family dynamic as as they moved forward with the franchise. But here, she's really the underling, and Zed really seems to have no time or patience for her. It was a bit, you know, on the abusive side, I would say. My first note here is, uh, cover this witch, and then they proceed to put a sheet over her. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, they string her up, they throw her to the moon, it's, uh, yeah, yeah I know. Again, as you look at this through a modern lens, it's like, oh, not the best. But it's more, even, even putting that aside, uh, it's, again, just the dynamic was... Uh, again, just a little surprising given what, what the show had set up. Nothing crazy, yeah. but it was Goldar, just like... Goldar seemed to be above Rita, I would even say, the way that it was presented. Yeah. I know, which is, like, I would be curious to know what went into that because Rita mm-hmm. obviously is the first big bad of the show that we all came to know, right? And then, yeah, she's gone for a while, then she comes back, but then it's Zed and Rita hand in hand. So to kind of reconfigure it in that way where she's more of this underling it's just a little bit of a curious choice but her role and yes that purple garb uh was definitely you know just took me a beat to be like okay i gotta go along with this yeah the uh was it i love that all of the videos of the news 
that they showed, they would never specify the city. Like they didn't record like separate tracks. They were just like, ah, it's coming to our city. I know. I know at the beginning I was like, oh, that's cool. Like they're going to throw in the name of that city. It's like, no, <laughs> no, they're just our city. That's it. I saw that uh, also when they were doing all of like the setup and getting the actors ready and everything, there was like this one cut that like, besides the music besides like you know in the middle of like the youtube version where the tracking had to get fixed which was great like just showing that the vhs quality and all of that there was this one shot of a bunch of kids and the power rangers taking photos in front of the dare logo and i was like wow that is such a 90s thing yeah that takes you back for sure (laughs) one of the things that i i was thinking about is Again, the choice to to not have the unmorphed teenagers physically on stage, right? Mm-hmm. Where when we see Jason, not Jason, not Jason, <laughs> we're in the era of the show where yeah, Jason, yeah. Uh, Zach, and Trini have left. So it's Tommy, Kimberly, Billy, and then Rocky, Adam, and Aisha. Again, when we see them unmorphed, which is very, you know, that's the other thing too. I think in my memory, I thought there was more footage of them on the screen, but it's, it's exceedingly minimal and mm-hmm. it's, it's mostly when they just get that original call from alpha and then they morph and I know and that's and then kind of the rest of it. Yeah. You know, it's kind of cool where you see again, our typical television morphing sequence, right? So, you know, you'll see Adam call out, you know, Mastodon and then the actor in the black Ranger suit pops out, you know, onto the stage. So it was cool how they, how they blended it. But what I guess what I'm getting at is you could envision a scenario where they, this stage show just cast six actors to play these characters but it's like with that young of an audience i I don't think you can do that right because they know the the faces and the voices of of our regular crew right but i don't know it's just kind of interesting it's that would be so hard to recast because i think that was always something that broke for me when it came to you know the like pushing the boundaries of like what is real and what isn't if faces are so important that you know the kids in the back if you just had people who are like their body types and could move like that's passable but once you're like in those front rows once they would show those people up on like the like screens you would immediately be taken out of it i think as a kid because you we all knew who tommy was right like we know that face probably like right after our parents faces (laughs) that age um and so and you and you and you can't get the actors for this. What this must no. have been a this must have been a forty eight like state tour. It must have done something along those lines, at least regional in like the Northeast. So you're talking, you know, twenty something dates at the at a minimum. So to film a TV show that I think the seasons were what twenty four episodes or so. What were the seasons? <laughs> if like, long, not longer, double or triple that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So like you have like your seasons are that long to have to then do a stage show, which is grueling. It's like, it's, it's more work. Like being on the road as a musician, it's hard enough as it is. You don't get to see, you know, family stuff like that. It's, you, it's fun. You have great experiences, but it is hard. It isn't an easy lifestyle to choose. So to go from filming a show to doing a live stage show, it wasn't going to happen with any of these actors, especially with all of the issues that they have with contracts. It sounds like, and, you know, how they even got paid. Then. <laughs> yeah, no, that's the thing. I, I totally would not have expected the regular cast to do this. Uh, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I just think about a scenario where, again, they just cast other actors for this, but I, but like we're saying, and, and that's kind of the fascinating thing about this. It's like you, that would shatter that illusion for that young audience. So I think the route that they went was probably the most appropriate one, but then the, the trade-off for that, and this was what I was thinking about as I was watching, is like you really come to appreciate how much the unmorphed scenes with the kids, how much value they add to the proceedings on the show. And no and no Bulkin skull either. And I know, I know you've had a complicated arc with I've come Bulk around. I've come around, yeah. I yeah. know, I know. They are like the Shakespearean like comedic duo they're like the cops right they they literally become cops so in like shakespeare plays there's always these like two to three characters that are just like idiots 
And they're the ones who have to either solve the crime or they're the ones who have to do this thing and they just can't do the thing because they're just there for like comedy to like pad for time and do that. And Bulk and Skull, like for such a ridiculous thing aimed at children, you still have this like Shakespearean like archetype of these like that comedic duo that like interrupts the scenes to kind of give like the layman's perspective. No, I, I agree. I was thinking about them too. And look, even when we talked about Once and Always, I love the Once and Always special, but I was surprised. I found myself, because especially at that point in my journey, I was still not totally sold on Bulk and Skull as an adult. And But I'm, as I'm watching it, I'm like, you know, this is missing Bulk and Skull. Like You really do come to appreciate the the role that they serve. So I was thinking I too. I like that yeah. moment. Oh, I'm sorry. No, I like go, that go. moment being your realization. I picture like Cameron in like Ferris Bueller's Day Off. <laughs> You're just watching this and like, longing for bulk and skull <laughs> no one was more surprised than i was but like watching this reminded me of some of the episodes that we talked about previously in season two of mighty morphin when it, the, the arc in particular was the return of the green ranger and when tommy's cloned and his clone becomes the evil green ranger and they face off and all that stuff but as we talked about it and then there was also the wedding arc where zed and rita get married mm-hmm. and we talked about in that episode how those those multi-part uh, arcs on the show were made during the time of the filming of the movie. So these poor kids were doing the, the, the kids. I mean, you know, they were old, but you know, the actors were doing the show and the movie at the same time. And you see how they relied for those episodes in particular so heavily on the stunt actors in the full costumes. And there was very, very minimal in a lot of those episodes, very minimal unmorphed scenes. And you know, I could see how I was not really engaging with those episodes as much as I was with others. And that's kind of what I had in my head as I was watching this, where again, you just, it doesn't take a lot, but just seeing, seeing the, the the team unmorphed, whatever problem of the week they happen to be dealing with, that's going to thematically tie into the villain that they're fighting or whatever the case may be. But a little bit of that goes a long way. I, I think you just recognize well, one of the other things I've been a broken record about as well is uh, in the later seasons, the ninja season in particular, where you don't see them doing those unmorphed fights anymore, right? They instantly go to the ninja outfits and then the actors are gone. And you realize that that original formula, the mixture of them at the juice bar or at school, the unmorphed fight with the putties and then the morphed fight and like all of that, each piece of that serves, I think, a vital function. And it's a it's a, like a specific mix that all kind of has to come together. And so here well, it, you took that piece out of it and it's, it's fine. And it works for what this is, but I, I definitely was thinking about that. Well, there's a major piece that I think is taken out of it that would have ruined it for me. You showed that you could shrink Rita, right? You showed that you can do all of these things. Why couldn't you shrink a small city to have the Megazord come out to fight, you know, and just have that moment for the kids because that Megazord not being there, like you can't have this giant robot come in and do something, but you can, you could have done something creative. Like I just thought that that was missing because as you like, there is that structure does work because it builds stakes. You have them. They're always attacked when they're most vulnerable, right? So they're always attacked when they're as themselves. In that moment, there's so many options you can do. You can take away their morphers. You can kidnap one of them. You can do all of those things once they're in that, you know, vulnerable state. But then once they get morphed, then the escalation starts to obviously, all right, well, now we've got to grow the monster and now the Zord's got to come. But to have those moments of vulnerability leading up to that, I think, is so important. Um because if they they're they're not like Superman, no offense, and I love Superman as well. They're not they're they're teenagers, and I think that that vulnerability kind of gives you that perspective. No, well said. I'm I'm so glad you brought up the Zord because I was about to ask you about that. That was one of the other big <laughs> things where this drove me nuts. So the Zords are represented, but solely via that video footage that we've been talking about, and. The thing that drove me nuts about it was exactly to your point. I'm not expecting them to create a robot, but you can, again, create some tiny buildings on the stage and bring out someone in a Zord costume. And the thing that really drives me nuts is that's all the Zord footage is from Super Sentai. They're guys in suits. 
with the with the miniature cities and they're fighting and shot at an angle where you know it looks like they're bigger and all that stuff and and it works. So I feel like they could have and I'm not and I wouldn't even expect them to do the individual zords or the forming of the megas. None of that stuff. You can just no. just bring out the, a megazord yeah, suit. The finished. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. And I think that I I agree with you. I was like, man, like that feels like such a missed opportunity. Like I I mean, look, and again, I have never been involved with with the stage production and so I you know, I, I'm sure it would have involved a fair amount, but it's like there is precedent for it in ter- in their own show. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that that feels like such a missed opportunity. Even with having the actors on screen and the a different group playing the Rangers, like you have the dynamic from the show. Technically, it is like the actors are there. They are not playing the people in the suits, so that is kind of like still in line with how the show works. Yeah. Regardless if we miss like some of like the more hangout scenes, the more down-to-earth stuff. But, you know, this it's a stage show, so it has to be like the most, um, you know, important big day of these characters' lives, right? So that's kind of the whole point of doing a stage show. It has to be the biggest, most exciting, most important thing that's happening because it's happening presently. Um, did they necessarily succeed? You know, we were with the villains a lot. Um, I don't think there's like an arc that you can point at and be like, you know, comparing it to a traditional like stage show or like a, like a well-formed piece of artwork. Oh, this character started here. They ended here. And now they've, you know, this character has changed. We don't have that with this at all. I wouldn't even say like that happened with Zed or Rita. It was just very like they beat Zed. It ends and everybody goes home. Yeah. There's not, there's a plot. But there's really no story. Mm-hmm. There's this really yeah. isn't. If someone's like, "What's this about?" It's like, well, not really about anything. But this is what happens in it. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, you know. Although Billy does come in for the win multiple times, he like was he changes like the clouds to like rain down. Some I forget exactly. I know what they, it was, they but. see they they load up Kimberly's Zord with uh, I, I forget the exact iodide substance, but they seed the clouds to make it rain, uh, and the water takes out the fire monster. Oh my God, I forgot about this. The entire time, they're like, I don't know if this is like geared, like they were like, yeah, these are kids. So they're like, they're they're dumb. They don't have to worry about it. It will make this really obvious for them. But the whole time the monster walks out and his first words aren't like, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm the strongest. It's like, uh, man, I really hope there's no water. <laughs> <laughs> and then like Zed and Goldar start going, ah, our plan is flawless. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, there's a pretty big flaw, guys. Well, it's the same thing when they build the Hollow Man monster later, and they announce like the <laughs> only thing that can defeat it is sound. It's like that sounds like a serious design flaw. <laughs> First of all, why? <laughs> Again, look, we we say this all in good fun. It's 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 fine and. Again, the, sh- the TV show itself, certainly plenty of instances where, you know, we're, we're kind of chuckling or scratching our heads or whatever. But yeah, that's especially egregious here. <laughs> I just couldn't believe he was like, ah, oh, man, I really hope there's no water down on this planet that's like mostly water. Mostly water. Maybe this inspired M. Night Shyamalan <laughs> for signs. Maybe he, maybe he oh, was yeah. there. Oh. Uh, that's the thing. That's the twist. That's the thing. Do you know what really what really bumped me was... So Zach, I keep saying, I keep going to the original Rangers, Adam and Aisha are captured. Oh, dude. What did they do into those characters? Like I, I liked both of them as a kid. Um, I, I, Tommy was fine. I always thought I didn't like Tommy as much as other people my age or older kids. I was much, I'm not Tommy. I meant uh, Jason. Sorry. Oh, okay. I liked Tommy. But then I really liked Rocky, Adam and Aisha because I felt like I like they came in and I grew with them. Yeah. No, I've always had a soft spot for, for Rocky, Adam, and Aisha. But so Adam and Aisha are placed in cages, and Zed transforms them first into monkeys and then into cockatoos. And yeah. absurdity aside, and I know he's this wizard and he's creating monsters and stuff like that, and I know I'm overthinking this. But at the same time, I'm sitting there, I'm like, wait a minute. You could just turn these rangers into whatever you want? How yeah. is how is this ever even a battle? Why don't you like <laughs> if you have that level of power, just turn them into flies and you're done. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> maybe maybe there's stuff in the comics that I haven't read that you know, but Zed 
is terrifying. To me, Lord Zed is almost like Elder God level of power. But in the show, in this stage show, and anything we've ever seen of Lord Zed, he is just utterly a failure. Yeah. But there's something there that, like, the character just, like, brings out, like, this, like, almost, like, Hellraiser terror. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's a pretty, it's a pretty intimidating look and that voice, and it just kind of all has that effect. And you go back to that first introduction on the show where he arrives on the moon and and the throne turns around, he's got a snake crawling all over him. I mean, that was pretty badass. Oh, kind of along those lines, the, I know we talked about Rita, the other monsters, Zed and Goldar, they, they definitely look far more in line with what we know from the show, but 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 modified you can clearly tell it's not like oh the show loaned them these costumes right like they are yeah, no. new costumes how did you feel they stacked up no i thought they did pretty good um the the z one i think was missing some of the sinewiness but that wasn't like missed and you wouldn't see that necessarily via stage the rita one was just a strange choice it was just like this bright purple outfit that's the only one i think watching everybody that i caught anything from I also don't like the what is his uh what is the name of it lion what's uh, the lion's name again oh I just said it and I've lo- no I know Lanatar that's not it but something yeah like it's that. something <laughs> yeah but like his outfit was very like it didn't match with a lot of stuff on the show I felt like it was too like glamorous almost I guess is the word it was very bright and uh, looked kind of like a school mascot but in like alien like silver like mars 2112 outfit gotcha yeah it's funny i uh you know like we were, we were saying as far as the actors here again in fairness it is their voices and like you said it is just like the show where yeah. <laughs> once they're morphed it's not actually those actors under there but you still hear the voices and and certainly having the familiarity of the voices i think that definitely creates that connection point uh for some reason in my head, I thought this was, before I sat down to rewatch it, I I don't think I thought it was a full-blown musical, but I definitely thought there was more of some sort of musical component. Obviously, that's not the case. So they do play the music from the show, which is cool. But yeah, uh, yeah no, it's really just action. Is that the, so the songs that they were using, was that the band that like the theme song is from were they using like more music from them because there were like these songs that kind of like match the moment when so like when the rangers were fighting the putties for the first time there was like a real song playing and it sounded like the band that opens the show yeah i mean i'm almost and i know i think later on there's the i will win song i'm not going to attempt to yeah, say yeah that's but, the one yeah. but that's that's the ron wasserman like that's the soundtrack to the show and and they they use that a bunch of times and so oh, okay yeah. i didn't know that one yeah yeah i mean i don't know to what extent they they create anything unique for the stage show but definitely the, i think the pieces that stood out the most are definitely from the from the television show so I don't know. I mean, I guess the your perspective, your background, uh, and uh, just to um, uh, you know, give context for this, uh, I guess the last thing that I saw you in, and this is now going back a good, good, good few years. What year was this? That you did American Idiot? Oh God, uh, I did American Idiot. I think it was twenty sixteen. Twenty sixteen? No, maybe twenty fifteen. Like 2015, 2016. Oh, it was that long ago. Yeah, but I... Yeah. And where was that again? It was in Westchester. But uh, Irvington, 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 yeah. Irvington, yeah. No, that was cool. I mean, I love that Green Day album. Who doesn't? And uh, I had never gotten the chance to see it on Broadway. And so, you know, to be able to see it and support you, and it was awesome. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I'm just curious. Your your experience with stage shows, was there anything else about this, either positive or negative, that just stood out to you? I mean, it is huge. Like, they, they change, like... They have these big, like, you know, the curtain, basically, like, set pieces that they can pull open and close or, you know, rise. But they're pretty detailed looking. And the pyrotechnics is... Why is Siri <laughs> starting? I don't <laughs> know what okay. the heck that was about. <laughs> All good. Did I say anything that sounded like that? <laughs> I don't know. Anyway. Uh, but the costuming was great. To have to keep those, like, you know clean and sprayed after every performance when they're they're moving everybody on the 
like even those aliens, as I said, that walk was a long time, but they were making those like major walk moves as they were going. Like everything was heightened performance wise. And I think it was believable and you could see it in the kids. Like if there was anything wrong, those kids would immediately have like from beginning to end. I didn't see anyone say or look like, you know, they weren't into it from the kids perspective at least. And I think that's, that's successful. I mean, it was an arena. It was massive when they like zoomed out, like that place was packed. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. No, again, it's like, as much as we can sit here and be like, I oh, wanted an emotional through line across this thing. It's <laughs> yeah. like, no, nah, but that's not what it was built for. And what it was built for, yeah. I think it, it succeeded really well. And I'm, you know, I mean, I'm grateful to, to my parents and my mom in particular for bringing me like, I'm glad I had the opportunity to go and that I have this memory of it. I, I doing this podcast now, I probably would have watched it and probably would have done an episode on it, but it definitely meant more to me because I know that I, I was there uh, and I and I have that memory. And like I said, just another part of how we experience this franchise. So yeah. it's this cool thing. I mean, I would say for anyone listening to this, if you've never watched it, again, if you have the DVDs, pop it in or go on YouTube. And, and even if you don't watch the whole thing, well, watch some of it. I I won't lie. It's it's uh, I felt the hour plus like I felt it. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's why I had even texted you. I was like, if you want to watch it <laughs> at like two or three times the speed or jump around, it's fine. Cause it, it, it did feel like a little bit of a slog, but again, I'm an, I'm an adult watching it now. It's, it's, uh, as much as the show itself, the TV show that still engages me. And I'm most of the ones that I've watched, uh, this was again, really even more so I think aimed for, for that little kid audience, but you know, still fun. That giant Zed blow up was cool. Like I know it was very obviously just a like thing that they inflated and it just sat there, but it was still very cool. And I'm sure it's out there somewhere, if not deteriorated in like a garage or something. And you know what they could have done? I was sitting here thinking about it. You have that giant Zed blow up. That's when you bring out the Megazord. Right. So you have that like for scale, you have this giant Lord Zed that's even bigger than the Megazord. That would have blown kids' minds. <laughs> I know. That would have that would have been cool. That definitely would have been cool. Any other final thoughts on Power Rangers Live? Not that I could think of. Yeah. It was fun to, again, it was fun to revisit, mostly to just sort of crystallize that vague memory that I had. Like now I've actually seen it and and uh yeah, it's it's like amazing that it exists, but but it's out there. And you know what's weird? I was just reading on I was just like Wikipedia, uh, but this tracks with with watching the credits. We don't know who played which character because when you look at the cast list at the end, it's just names. It's no, yeah. they don't link them up to to anybody. So again, we know generally who was in the production, but it seems lost to time who 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 was who in this. I'm I'm sure they remember that. Yeah, <laughs> that's, sure. And that's very important to them, you know. They got to be in that Power Rangers stage show. It's it was a, it's probably a big deal and I I didn't recognize any of the names. Um but they could have, you know, people in that could have potentially gone on because a lot of those touring shows are kind of like the first step to Broadway. You can if you could do a touring show, you could definitely handle the workload that it takes to be on Broadway. So it's kind of a fast track to that. Yeah. Well, listen, I, I thank you very much for watching and for, for coming on here and, and having this discussion. I got to share real quick. So you know, we, we've talked about the toys in a bunch of episodes. It always comes up because the toys are such an integral part to all of this. I don't know that I'll, or I already said what the next few episodes are going to be. So I, I don't have an episode planned <laughs> fully devoted to the toys. Cause again, we're always talking about it, but I did just want to share that uh, recently I took my son, we did a little road trip to a toy store and uh, they specialize in vintage toys and they had some Power Ranger stuff. Not as much as I thought they were going to have based on the photos that they were always posting when they acquire collections, but I know stuff comes and goes. It's all right. They had some Power Ranger stuff, but they had uh, loose figures, but they were in, in bags and in really good condition. The I don't know if you remember like the I don't have the exact dimensions, but like the bigger sized action figures, like they're action figures, oh, yeah, yeah, but they yeah. were the big ones and they had like a, the yeah. less moving parts, right? It was like only, only like the like three or four yes. places for articulation. Yeah. 
Yeah, but really cool. And I I bought a White Ranger one again out of the package, but in really great conditions. Twenty five bucks, and I was I wanted to get something. They had other stuff that was packaged that was more expensive, and I was like, eh, I just kind of want like a little memento uh, of our trip here to the store and uh, and of Power Rangers. And so I got that, and uh, I got my son. He wanted a Batman toy, and nice. uh, he 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 broke my White Ranger <laughs> within a day. <laughs> just no like, way. Uh, I think the next day I, I, I had gone upstairs and then I came down and, and, and my wife was like, oh, he broke your white range. And I, was like, what? I have to say though, I took it shockingly well. I, I mean, I don't want to pat myself on the back, but like I was, cause you know, I think about myself as a collector back in the day and stuff. And, you know, not that I would have exploded at him, but it's like, I, you know, I, I could envision a scenario where I was like, I can't believe it is broken. I was fine. I really, because uh, with a little crazy glue, I think we can salvage it and uh, yeah. it, it's fine. But but barely a day. Didn't even make it a day. <laughs> That's it. That's my story. <laughs> he just uh, knocked it off the counter. He just knocked it off the counter. Those things were, st- like, it was like plastic though, right? You know what it was? Like a- it was the, go- it was the, it's the White Ranger, the shield. Oh, the shield. That's what got cracked. it. Yeah, that, that makes sense. I think that one, no, it came in two parts with the action figure, but like the, the smaller one, you were able to like piece the parts together around yes. the action figure. So was this kind of a similar situation or was it like a slip on or? I believe it is still like the front and back. I think it was a clean, it's a clean break though. That's why I think yeah, again, you a little crazy glue, uh, it'll, it'll be fine, but uh, it's just, again, we, I've been revisiting all this Power Ranger stuff and thinking about the toys lamenting the fact that I got rid of all the ones that I had as a kid. And then it's like, I'm going to go to this store. And, you know, we had a great day. We had a fun time going on our little road trip and everything. And that's the, that's the important thing. That's the memory that I'll cherish. But yeah. It's like, I go to the store and it's like, Hey, the store experience itself wasn't kind of what I was hoping that it would be. And then it's like, all right, at least I got this one thing. And it's like instantly broken. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I have a, I have a white Ranger tragedy story too. When the episode came out, of who it was going to be and who it was the reveal was I got picked up from my friend's house right before that episode came on. So I never got to see the reveal. And so like, I remember just like being in the car bawling, but I'm never going to (laughs) know. And my mom, like not understanding. She's like, what, why does it matter? It's a show. Cause she's like, you know, it's a kid's show. But like for there to be this two part like cliffhanger and it was like right at the cliffhanger. She was like, all right, it's time to go. And I was like, no. <laughs> oh, man. I had that. So with, uh, uh, I, I can identify. I remember Saved by the Bell. Uh-huh. Like, Wedding in Las Vegas. I remember <laughs> that the TV movie that wrapped it up and finally married off Zach and Kelly. And I remember we had to I was watching it and we had to leave for something. Uh huh. And it was like it took years, I think, before I finally like saw, saw the end of this thing. Again, for people, I, I think most people who are probably listening to this are like probably in our age bracket, and they can remember a time before the DVRs and stuff. But for anyone younger, it's again not to make us sound like such old men, but it's like no, it was really. It wasn't like oh, if you miss something, you have a million ways to to watch it. It was like if you missed yeah. it, you, you had to hope you'd catch a rerun at some point. Good luck. <laughs> yeah. I don't think they ever even reran that. I don't think I ever saw that episode until the Netflix, you know, put it out again. And I think it's just maybe it's just something we all have to experience some kind of like hero's journey growth moment. We have to not be able to see the reveal. <laughs> I know. Oh, that's a tough because it's like not not to knock the show, but you think of all the kind of I don't want to say throwaway, but the run of the mill monster of the week episodes right if if it yep. if you had to leave during any one of those eh, you, you get over it yeah. relatively quickly but <laughs> that one uh, <laughs> and i don't yeah i mean and again i don't mean to 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 rub it in but really when we when we rewatched those that two-parter i really felt like that was i really feel like that was the high other than green with evil i suppose but i feel like that was yeah. the high point of the original era because that was the last hurrah for the og yeah, it crew was, it was definitely like a peak writing at least when i like went back and watched it i was like oh these are pretty decent you know yeah no they held up well well i'm glad at least <laughs> now you've been able to see them and <laughs> at least the youths today they won't have to worry about that if they yeah it's it's funny too it's like even the oh it's funny even the concept of 
missing something. I don't think kids today would even think in those terms. No. You know? No, not with TV shows because they all watch like, you know, stuff on the iPad and they can throw up anything on Disney Plus and you have 90% of like what they've ever made right there. <laughs> yeah. All right. Where would you like to direct folks if they want to follow you, if they want to check out your music? Oh, I'm just Ralph Puma on everything. Uh, just, you know, you could search my music. I'm on all of the streaming platforms. Um, I am, you know, Ralph Puma on threads. Now I've started that social media one. It's good to have like early Twitter days back <laughs> and then Instagram. So threads, Instagram, and then Spotify, Apple music. That's kind of where you can find me. I, I tend to avoid Facebook for the most part. And I'm not, I, I left my Twitter once, uh, the regime change happened. Gotcha. <laughs> Well, I hope people will will check that out. Uh, I appreciate you coming on here. I'm glad we got to talk Power Rangers. Yeah, thanks, man. Oh, my pleasure. Audience, thank you for tuning in. Again, we are winding down. We are powering down with episode 20 in September. So that means we have three episodes left in one week. We have our Super Sentai discussion. Two weeks after that, we'll be talking Turbo. And two weeks after that will be our series finale on the legacy of Tommy Oliver. So don't miss any of that. I hope you'll keep tuning in. Of course, once a Ranger fan, always a Ranger fan. This show is part of the Flat Squirrel Podcast Network, home to Digging for Kryptonite, another exciting episode in the adventures of Superman, Summoning the Zords, and My Comic Shop History, available wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to subscribe and leave a review today. Sign up at patreon.com slash anthonydesiato for additional content. Thank you all.